This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. Well, we'll go to our foundational scripture, which is in Isaiah 62. And God has been dealing with us in such a powerful way. And I try to take my time because I want you to get it. I want it to sink in. I want you to, I want you to be developed in this. I want it to be on your mind during the weeks. And see, you need to make a truth yours before Wednesday because you're going to get another truth. You need to swallow this. You need to keep eating it. You need to chew it. And by Wednesday, it should be down in you. You should be owning it by then and ready for another truth so you can own that truth. And that's upon you. There you cannot be a lazy Christian and be in a teaching ministry or you're going to waste a lot of your time because a teaching ministry is going to teach you and, and, and it's things that you have to go back and look at and study. And, and I gave you last week, I told you, on Saturday nights before you get ready for Sunday, go back and listen to the message. On Tuesday evening before Wednesday's message, go back and listen to, listen to the message. And then that way you're prepared, you're ready. And then when we go over different things, you'll be like, yes, yes, because I just... I just went over that last night. And it bring, it's just like studying for regular school. It's something that you have to put in. Actually, this is more important because the regular school thing, that's temporal. But this is eternal. This gets you a place in, in eternity and gets you victorious right here on earth. Amen. And don't forget, well, we have our, our next gen meeting too. And it's going to be, they're going to be talking about finances. And you know, all of us need to know about finances and how to be good stewards and how to handle our finances. And we're talking about that for the simple fact God has already instructed us. He said, get out of debt and begin to save. So you need to know some people, you know what? People that save think that everybody that don't, everybody know how to save, but they don't. Somebody told me last night, I was ministering to them, and I said, you know, I said, you know, you need to get out of debt and you need to save. And they said, you know, I said, so what are you? I said, are you a spender or are you a spender or are you a saver? They said, neither. I said, no, you're one or the other. They said, no, I'm neither. I said, no, 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 you're one or the other. You're either a spender or a saver. No, you could say that because you might have it. I said, no, he said, when you don't have it. I said, no, 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 everybody have it. No, 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 don't try to put it like only people that, that you feel like have something, they can save. I said, no, no, no. I said, anybody, anybody, I don't care how much money you make a week. Anybody that lives below their means can save. Now, if you're living at your means or above your means, no, you're not going to be able to because you're spending everything out. But if you live below your means, I don't care if you're making $100 a week. If you're living below that, you have something to save. You have something to save. So now you have to ask yourself, am I living below my means? Am I living at my means? Or am I living above my means? Then we can come back and we can talk about it over. But don't say you're neither. Because you're one or the other. You're one or the other. Or just a, just a bad steward. You can't see it. Amen? But that's a whole other subject. And, and uh, we're going to get into the subject that God is dealing with us about in this particular teaching. And I want you, everybody, buckle your seatbelts. Because click, click, click it on, click it on. 
I'm like, hey, you click it, you get a ticket. So you better click it on and stay in your seat and listen attentively. Listen attentively. Submit fully when you hear it. Conform completely when you hear it. Don't fight with God. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to try to make suggestions to God of what you want. Just listen attentively, submit fully, and conform completely. That's all God wants you to do when, when He's teaching you. Amen? In Isaiah 62, I want to remind you that we're being prepared for God's next move. And this morning, it's, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with a lot of different things, and I want you to grab it because I know that you can. Now, in this teaching, we, we know that Isaiah the prophet is talking to the children of Israel and, and getting them where they need to be, letting them know where they were wrong and letting them know that God is about to make them right. We need to understand that. I don't want to go through all of the different things, but we know in all of our previous teaching, the prophet Isaiah has ministered to Israel. This is what God is going to do. He wants to restore you. He knows you've been out of his will. He, know, he knows that you've wronged him. He knows that you've sinned against him, but he has come down with that grace and that mercy to save you, redeem you, and restore you. Amen. And then in verse 10, and that's the scripture I want to read, he lays out a process. He says, go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. And God, in church, we understand that in this, God is telling us that he wants us to prepare a way for his people. We want to prepare a way for his people. We have to understand that God, Jesus came for a lost and dying world. He did not come for those that were saved. There were none saved. He did not come for those that said they knew God. He came for the lost and he came to save the whole world. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one. And he said, I want to lay, I want you all to have your life in such an order, in such a way that I can reach my people. And God said, and I need representatives in the earth because that's how I'm going to reach them. They can't see me. They can't come to heaven. They're not going to see me. I am the invisible God, but I'm very visible. And that's why I have instruments of righteousness here on the earth so that I can be seen. And God said, I want you all to be able to help restore them. God wants us to get outside of these four walls, in the four walls of our computer. And he said, no, we're going to have to get outside of that. We've got to be able to minister to those that are lost. And we have to understand, how are you going to tell them Jesus is the way if you're not coming in contact with them and you need to? And then God wants us to set up a standard for the people. And that means we have to be what God desires us to be. We, gotta, we, not, we don't need to look for an example. We need to be the example. God said, I want you to be the example. And you can be. Amen. And then we learn some things. We learned, we've, we've learned so many different things, but this is the main thing I want you to know. We need to learn to love the time of preparation. I want you to get that. We must love preparation. Learn to love it. You know, everybody likes to get in the game, but nobody likes to practice. But you gotta learn to love, 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 Preparation. Once you love preparation, you'll find an urgency to get it done, an urgency to prepare, an urgency to say, you know what, I want all of this because I want to be prepared. But you first got to love to be prepared. Amen. We found out last week that um, 
uh, something about time. We said that time can be deceptive. Listen up when I say deceptive. Because we know t- God gives time. Time starts out being your friend. And that's what God wants it to be. That's why you use it wisely. It starts out being your friend, but it'll end up being your enemy. That's where some of you are now. God has given you all the time when he was ministering to you, all that time to do something right. Now you're at a point in your life where time is your enemy. You don't have as much time as you used to have. But you wasted the time when he was there and available, when he was working for you. Whenever God gives us time at the beginning of a dispensation or a period of time or a span of time, it's a good time. That's why we don't waste it. That's why it's a sin to waste the time. Because God is thinking to himself, you are wasting time and you're going to find out time is going to be your enemy. And that's where some of us are. Some of us with our health, some of us with our finances, some of us with our relationship. Time is now your enemy. See, that's the thing about time. It starts out working for you, but it ends up working against you. So with that said, we should have an urgency to be prepared. Preparation, we said, requires participation. You cannot be, get prepared unless you are a participant in the work. We also learn that when we do not prepare, we are in an unrighteous state. Know that. If you're not prepared, you are in an unrighteous position all the time. You know, you know how things affect us? Oftentimes, listen, listen. This is how you know how things affect you. Oftentimes, this is what happens. Um, it determines how we prepare the way things affect us. Oftentimes, it determines how things affect us about how we are prepared. In other words, if you're less prepared, you have a great, it's a greater impact on you. You know, you know, we tend to be all over the place because I wasn't prepared. If you're more prepared, listen, it's less impact. I didn't say it was no impact. I said it's a less impact because I'm prepared. And you always want the less impact. The less impact we tend to be when we are prepared. See, it's not a magnitude of the the event that happened like, oh my God, it was such a big event. Oh, this happened. Oh, that. It's not the magnitude of that. It's the magnitude of were you prepared or not. See, don't look at what, how big it was. Oh, that was a small thing. So that was, or this was a, because let me tell you, if you're not prepared, a small event can be just devastating. And disastrous. And some of and some person that's that's prepared, and they tell you why they're all messed up. You be like, oh, that's not really nothing. Well, that's because you prepared. They're devastated, disastrous for a small thing. It could be just catastrophe. Consequences go all around, and it was a small thing, simply because they weren't prepared. But when you're prepared, listen, you can have something catastrophic like a pandemic. That comes about and it has a manageable consequence in your life. See, there's a difference. Manageable. It's not something you love. It's not something you want. But you can manage it. But some people are falling apart. And that's just, that's just one example. It could be anything. Amen. Listen, church, we need uh, to be ready. So that simply means that we are not, you know, when God said we need to be ready, it simply means that we're not ready. 
That's all. If God has us in preparation, it's because we're not ready. I don't care. I don't care how much we think we know. God is saying, nope, you're not ready. God would not challenge us to get ready and get prepared if we were ready. Are you following me? When we talk about church, uh, when we talk about church, we're talking about the institution. See, church, we are the institution. The institution is made up of people. So we are the church. We're talking about individuals that makes up the institution. So you can put your hands on your own chest and say, I'm not ready. Because God said I wasn't ready. I know we all think that we're ready because we know a few scriptures. Because we can turn a page. Because we can put a message together. Because we can put one scripture with another scripture and make them jive. You can do all of that. You can do all of that and God still say, you're not ready. Listen, God wants to do something. And I'm not ready for what God desires to do. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I want to do something. And I want you to be involved in it. But I can't do what I desire to do because you are not ready. God wants to do something in your life that you can, so that you can do something in other people's lives. He said, I got to start with you. He said, I not only do I want to do something in your life for you to do something in other people's life, I want to do something to you so you can do something in the church. In the body of Christ. And what do, what is that for? So that I can usher in my next move. So you can be positioned so I can. Are you following me? So now, he has told us that you, we are not ready. So now I have to prepare myself to do my part. That's all you have to do is say, God, I want to do my part. That is what you do. I'm doing my part. You gotta focus, church. You gotta stay focused. There's many things, listen, there are many things that's going to come up in your life. And there's many things that's gonna come up in the church. And there's many things that's gonna happen. But you must stay focused. I don't care, you know, get excited about whatever. Whatever happened. You got pregnant through the pandemic. Get excited for a moment, but stay focused. You got a raise. Get excited, but stay focused. You got married. Get excited, but stay focused. You cannot let anything get you off focus. Why? Because you're in a time of preparation. Amen. So there are people who are naturally, listen, there are people who are naturally successful that are outside, but on the, on the outside you look at them and say, oh, they're really, really, they really got it going on. But on the inside they're crumbling. And God said, I need you to be in position because they look like they have everything going on. They look like everything is successful, but it's not. And so when it's not, then it's something I have to do. It's something that I need to be doing to make sure that someone can come to me. Someone can see what God is saying. And God is saying, I know you feel like ain't no way God want to use me. Yes, he wants to use you. And you'll find that out as, as we go on. Church, we have to stop being high-minded and rejoicing in the fact that we know God. Because we are not the only, we're not the only one that's God's people. Jesus died for the sin of the whole world. Get that down in you so we can stop just saying, well, all I know is that I'm saved. And if they want to get saved, they need to, they need to do whatever they need to do. No, that's being high-minded and being foolish. 
why was it, listen, why was it that the people of Israel, how, how, how was it that they knew that there was safety? They knew that there was prosperity. If you go back and read it, and we've talked about this in some other teachings that we've taught here in this ministry. They knew that it was safety. They knew there was prosperity. They knew it was blessings in the gates of Jerusalem. But they stayed outside of Jerusalem. Why do you think that was? The same way it is today. A lot of people know that in the church they know that God loves them. They know that that's where they need their help. They know that if I go there, then I, my life will be changed. But why aren't they dodging the doors to get in the church? It's because that gap, and we've got to bridge that gap between God and His promises and His people People got it all wrong. God said, and I need you to be in place so you can bridge that gap. So, we, you know, and people have been taught wrong. But we are being taught how to be ready in advance. And we said if we're going to be ready in advance, we have to take the warnings of God seriously. Please take these warnings seriously. Take them seriously. I, 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 I want to say it. I, I have to say it again because that's where people are and because God said it as well. Listen. Get outside of looking at the package. That's where you keep missing it. If you look at the package, you're going to miss God. God speaks to whomever He chooses. You're not the boss of Him. Get outside of the package and just listen to the Word. That's all you have to do. As long as you look at the package, you're going to come up missing. You're going to come up short. Just get outside of the package. She thinks she's the whole package. Get outside of the package and get into the Word. Just listen to the Word. You know, maybe sometimes you need to go into another room and just hear the voice. That will help you do that. But as long as you get the Word, that's the most important thing. Amen. If you're going to be ready in advance and heed the warnings of God. God does not leave us without warning. He never does. Without signs. God does not leave us without speaking to us by His Spirit. Did you hear me? He does not speak to us. He's not going to leave us without warnings. Listen, you cannot get in the game without putting on your jersey. You need to come on, get in the game. Listen, God is going to speak to you, but you've got to be on the team. You got to be on the team. My heart has to be prepared. My mind has to be prepared. My life has to be prepared. Listen to me. Now, this is what I really want you to get. You, because when I say your heart has to be prepared, you can have a good heart, but can be mentally weak. Did you hear me? You can have a good heart and still be mentally weak. That's why the Bible teaches so much on our mind and our thinking and our thoughts. See, you can have, you can get your heart right. Listen, you can get your heart right and still be useless. Isn't that amazing? You can get your heart right and still be useless. Listen, and I'm not saying this to be mean or or to to be offensive in any way. I'm, I'm saying this because I mean for it to be a fact. Listen, when Pastor Hill transitioned, there were people that had good hearts toward me and my family. Good hearts toward me and my family. But they, they were absolutely useless for the simple fact they had weak minds. 
They just had weak minds. Their hearts were right. But they had weak minds. What do you mean by that? So at the time that, listen, you ought to be able to be a blessing to us, we had to be a blessing to you. See, that's a weak mind. But your heart was right. See, you can have a heart and still be useless. I want you to get that. That's not a put down. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's not that your heart wasn't right. It's just that your mind is weak. In other words, I can't get my mind. When I say that, when I say your mind is weak, I can't get my mind under control. You know, uh, I can't get it under control enough. you got to be able to do that. To be able to... You, see, you don't even have it under control enough to pray for somebody. Can't get your mind under control enough to encourage somebody. I like to encourage them, but I'm hurting myself. See, that's a weak mind. Your heart is right. You want to, but the mind is weak. So, in order to be ready, you can't just have a good heart. you got to work on your mind. Work on your mind. And you have to have a mind that can endure some things. To endure some things. Can go through some things. You have to have that. Listen, your life has to be right. You must get your affairs in order. That's why we're going to be teaching on the final. You've got to get your affairs in order. Now, we have learned that we have to be ready to deal with adversity. It's coming. Because it's coming. You don't know when, you don't know where, you don't know how, but it is coming. So to deal with adversity, what did we say you have to do? If to deal with adversity, you have to learn from adversity. Every time. Stop running from it. Because it's going to always be. You're going to have it. In this life, there will be tribulation. There will be trouble. Don't run from it. Learn from it. That's how you overcome adversity. You know, in a time I heard the Lord said. To me, when, when after pastor transitioned and I was in my time of mourning for about a month, and then God, God spoke to my heart. And he said, fine, that the ministers are all taking care of everything. And that was all my doing through the founding pastor. Through my servant, I did all of that. That's fine. He said, but now it's time for you to get up. Because they need to hear from you. They need to hear from you. And I said, see, this is how I'm showing you. He said, because as long as they don't hear from you, they're not going to be focused. You know why? Not because I'm someone special, but because they will be, they will be busy thinking about and worrying about, well, how is she doing? What's going on with her? She can't never. That's not because I'm so important. But because their minds will be like, oh, she's still hurting. She can't. He said, get up. I don't want. See, that's called hindering the work of God. He said it can't be hindered. They love all the other ministers and they love what they teach. But they need to hear from you. Get up. And you know, people say, you know what? That's right. That's right. You know, amen, amen, amen. Don't clap. Don't get excited and say, oh yeah, that's really good and feel like that. Let me tell you, don't do any of that. You know what you need to do? 
<laughs> Copy that. Don't just be excited about it. Don't be like, oh, yeah, that was real good. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. Imitate that. If you want to imitate something, imitate that. Because I don't want you to think I was tooting my horn at all. Because I'm nothing without him. I'm saying if you want to model your life after that, model that after the life of your pastor. That I can get up. Because why? I don't want to hinder the work of the Lord. Are you following me? I'm trying to teach you something. Get outside of the package. I'm trying to teach you something. Because why? Because adversity is coming in your life. And you can't allow adversity to hinder the plan of God, no matter how it comes. You don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know where, but in every situation, God wants to get glory. In every situation, no matter how bad it is, God wants to use us and we have to understand that in adversity, I must learn to trust in the relationship. you got to trust it. I just have to trust the fact, and I had to trust the fact that God was with me. You have to say, I have to trust that He has me on a path. I have to trust that He has me on a path he has me, his promises, his permission, his provision, all of that is true. And I'm going to stay true to him because everything that he's placed in his word is true. No matter what I'm going through. He said he'll never leave me and forsake. I believe that. That's true. If he said it, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to trust in the relationship. No matter the way my flesh and my body and my thoughts want to go, bring them into captivity and make them bow to the Word of God. Bow to the truth of the Word of God. Bow down. I'm going to get up. You bow down, salt, because I'm getting up. You must learn to encourage yourself, church, in the Lord. People are nice. And I appreciated everything that everyone did during that time. And I thank God for people. But at some point, you have to be able to do like David did and encourage yourself. Dust yourself off. Pick yourself up. Trust in the relationship and move forward. You have, you have, you have a relationship with the Lord. Trust in it. And move life forward. By encouraging yourself in the Lord. Or the whole church will be dismantled. Church, please learn to be steadfast. Now go with me to Joshua chapter 1. And I think this is where we left off last week. In Joshua chapter 1, we're continuing on how to be ready in advance planning. Church, we must have a plan to prepare. For the next move of God. As a church, listen, God has given us a plan to prepare for his next move. And he has given us every, you know, a very simple set of instructions. They're really simple. He gave us three things to do. He said, restore this generation. Establish this church. 
and leave resources that we can have a generational success. And we have to plan. That is how you're going to be ready for the next move of God. Now that means that without knowing what the next move of God is, we know some things. We don't know what the next move is, but we know that there's a next move coming. We know that God is going to need... We, because He's telling us what our instruction is, we know in His next move He's going to need the next generation. We know that because He's telling us to get them ready. God needs us to be solid in the church, to establish the church. Then God needs us to invest more resources than we have for the success of the next generation. See, we already know, so we don't have to say... What I wonder what's next coming. What, God, what does it matter? What next is coming? What does it matter? If he's preparing us for it, why do I need to know what's coming next? When it comes, I'll know. I don't have to, he don't have to get, show me exactly everything that's coming on. He told me something else is coming. I don't care what's coming. I don't care if the sun is falling out the sky. If he's got me prepared, I don't have to worry about what's next. Well, I wonder what's next. I wonder what he's doing. I wonder what he's doing. All you gotta do is make sure you're prepared. All you gotta do is focus on the instructions he's giving you. Not worried about what exactly is going to happen. Are you following me? And church, the same way that your church have a plan, you have to have a plan for your life, for your family's life. You have to have a plan for that. There's a next move of God in your family and for your life. When God makes the move on the church, because the church is people, he's making a move on your life and your family's life. Know that. Listen, oftentimes we can see the issues, but we lack a plan. We lack a plan. And planning is essential. Essential means that it must be in place. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In other words, God orders the plans, but God requires that you plan. Ooh, you better get that. God orders the plan, but yet He He orders that you, He requires that you plan. Listen, this church will not move coincidentally. Oh, well, it's just no. There's a let me tell you, there is a plan in place. The plan was actually left from our founding pastor. And it was intentional. It was intentional. And many of you are in ministries or in positions because of the plan. See, you don't see it. You think it's just just doing something. But no, it all has to do with the plan. So don't even take your positions lightly. It's a part of God's plan. Your ministry heads because of the plan. You're in leadership because of the plan. Get it in your head. That's why your life needs to be a book where people can read you, where they can see you, because you're in leadership. That's why people don't understand. You can't live and do in any kind of way and be in leadership, because people look to those in leadership. 
And if God has called you into a place of leadership, then it's because it has to do with His plan. Are you following me? Listen, what you all didn't know, pastor was manipulating your life. That's right. He was manipulating your life. Why? Because he understood that there was a day coming that I would need you. See, you didn't know you all the time. See, when he had the ministry class for you to come to, that was manipulating your life. Because he knew something was coming. And he knew what help I needed. When he put you in different positions, he was manipulating your life the whole time. When he set up AMC class, when he found, when all the classes he set up, all of that was to manipulate your life so that it'll go according to plan. Some people pissed on it. But nevertheless, those that didn't and recognized, those that had respect of authority and got into place, that's who God's going to use. Because no one man stops a show. And God will fulfill that position. My husband always looked out for me. So in order to get you all ready for the day that he was leaving and to get me ready for the day he was leaving. Now see, I can't, I, I can't tell you and I couldn't tell you that it was going to happen September 1st. I couldn't tell you that because I didn't know. And he couldn't tell you that because if he would have told you that, you would have felt unqualified to do what he was been asking you to do when he set you up and manipulated your life in all of these different ways that he was teaching you. You wouldn't have understood it. You think you would have, but you wouldn't have. Oh, no, Pastor. Oh, no. Well, that's a long time away. Oh, no. This, that, and the other. See, his, his head wasn't big for nothing. He had a lot of stuff up there. A lot of stuff up there. But you know what? You trusted him. You had to trust him. And now you have to trust me. And if you don't and you can't find somewhere that you can, don't waste. I don't want you to waste my time and I don't want to waste yours. Find you a place with someone you can trust. I remember all the times I found him pastor would work on people because he knew a plan. He would work on people to change people's attitudes, their mindset. They would get offended. They would get mad. He would even take people on personally, spend time with them, minister to them because he understood some things. He was working on their mentality. Everything he was trying to get them to see. He was getting, trying to get them to know how to hear from God for themselves and how to make right decisions and, and how to pull them out of things that was wrong and that they didn't need. He did everything that he could naturally and spiritually. He did. Why? Because God had given us a plan. 
And me and him talked about it all the time. Church, you've got to have a plan for your life. And they have to be directed by the Holy God. That's what it means when it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If all of us good men and women put together a plan for the next move of God in our homes, in our lives, in our families, as God has given us to do, and as God has given me a plan for the church, and we allow Him to order our steps, as we endure, listen, we, because we, we gotta endure, we gotta endure, and then execute the plan. See, because you, let me tell you, in any plan that's going to be executed, there's going to come some endurance in it. Then we can establish the will of God. It takes some advanced planning to establish the will of God. See, when you, listen, when you can't move, you must prepare. When you can't move, you must, some of you are in a place right now, you can't move. You must prepare. There's times in your life where all you can do is plan. Why? Because God's next move haven't come yet. So I got time to prepare. See, it comes a time you don't just sit there and be lazy and and fill your belly with foolishness and just do things just 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 sitting. I'm just gonna wait and see. That's not how you prepare. Don't sit around and say, well, you know, ain't nobody called me to do something, you know, nothing yet. No, you have to prepare. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, the, the new gen, and I'm observing it all. I'm seeing those that have prepared themselves. Ah, don't give me those excuse like, you don't want to come because you don't want to make sure I live with my elderly parents. I don't want them to get, oh, you go everywhere you want to go. And we and, and, and in here you're not you're not gonna even be around as many people as you are. But see, all of that's a part of preparation. And see, so you sign up for everything but that. That tells me a lot. That tells me you're not ready. Because every young adult in here should be a part of that group. Not the same, not not the few. The few that you see are the ones that are prepared. Are being prepared. The other, that's just an excuse. That's a lie you tell yourself about the pandemic. Because you go everywhere else. Now see, if you wasn't doing that, I wouldn't say nothing. But you do. I'll tell you this. Besides going anywhere else. If you go to H-E-B, there's more people in H-E-B, I promise, than in this, that's in this room. And you're doing just fine. I guarantee you that. So don't, that's an excuse. God, listen attentively, submit fully, conform completely. You can do, oh, no, I don't want you know the pandemic. The pandemic ain't stopping you from nothing. You going to your girlfriend, your boyfriend, y'all hugging up, kissing up, doing all, everything else. But when it comes to sitting on a panel, there's an excuse. Unprepared. Unprepared, that's what that's called. And I expect to see every young adult that's in there. I expect this week that you call Minister Hasten, Minister Hill, and say, you know what? I was wrong and I need to be on there. I need to be a part. Because this is your church. 
Now, are you in Joshua? That was just a little tangent. Joshua chapter 1. Now, listen. Here in Joshua, we understand this. God has given some instructions to Joshua. Joshua has been a faithful servant to Moses. Moses was now dead, and the Lord is now speaking to Joshua. Chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, even the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Therefore shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses... So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now listen. Again, in well, let's let, let, let's read. Let's go over to verse. When, when we read just that that part that I read, the first thing we think is that God just gave Joshua a plan, but God didn't give him a plan. Remember, God just gave him instructions, told him what to do. That was not a plan. Look at verse ten. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare ye the victuals, for within three days we shall pass over this Jordan, and go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Now listen, you cannot go from God speaking to three days moving a nation of a million people. You cannot do that without a plan. Without a plan. Unless you first develop a plan. And if you read on, uh, on, read chapter 1 and go into, I'm not going to read all of that because it eat up my time, but you need to, you should have already read chapter 1, chapter 2. If you go on to read that, you'll see that Joshua laid out the plan and, the, and he laid out the, he laid it out for the children of Israel for where they are right now. He said, okay, he talks about two. Two, I, I love that. Two and a half tribes that had already gone into the promise. And it was their responsibility was to, what, what, what to go and do. He was telling them what he needed them to go do. Listen, go and read it. He already, he just sent two. He told them what to prepare. He told them how to prepare. Joshua wasn't just sitting under Moses when Moses was alive saying, well, I ain't in charge. I'm just doing what I'm saying because I ain't in charge. He wasn't doing that. He was making a plan. But he had to put it together. He had to put a plan together. Now he knew as long as Moses was alive, he knew this. See, this is a, this is a servant that's under authority. He knew as long as Moses was alive, he couldn't move. But he also knew that he had to be prepared because he was a servant. Church, you have to understand in the place that God has you. 
if you are not in the position to move, think, listen. Don't ever think because you're not moving and you're not doing that you are not in a position to prepare. Just sit there and prepare. You don't have to. Every time you don't have to jump up. You don't have, well, you know what? I'm just going to sit. I'm just going to prepare. So oftentimes we get despondent because we think that unless I'm where I want to be, that I'm nowhere at all. I'm not what I'm, you know, I ain't, you know, they ain't using me, they ain't doing that. I need to go find a ministry that's going to use me. This is unprepared. Just as unprepared. I remember somebody that would always just stand by pastor. And I said, why do you just have him say, he said, because I'm, I want him to learn something. I just I want them to learn something. That's all. That's all I, I want them to learn something. And they didn't learn a thing. I wanted them to learn something. Church, we said that you have to value the place of preparation. Talking about advanced planning, you have to value the time of preparation. You have to value that. You have to value that. Did you hear me? And most people don't want to value the preparation. Of people. So let's look at them one at a time. If I'm going to be ready through advanced planning, I must value the place of preparation. Preparation requires a location. Remember, I told you that. People that are going off to college, getting an education, you have to go to school. There's a location for academic preparation called school. You got to go to it. You can't just sit at home and say, well, I'm just going to sit here and it's just going to drop in my head. No, you got to go. Church, oftentimes we don't understand the value of the place of preparation. And you know what? That starts early in life. It starts early in life. It starts when you're in your parents' house. I'm going to show you where it starts. And you start talking about how much you can't wait to get out of that house. See, it starts early. Trying to get away from your place of preparation. How much I can't wait to get out of that house. That is called a lack of value of the place of preparation. So instead of valuing that God has put me in a place where I can be prepared, I start looking to leave that place. I'm just giving you this for the, just as an example. It starts early. Not understanding this one thing. <laughs> Understand this. All of you that, 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 that's right there, right now. You know, you just want to get out your parents' house. I just, I just want to. Now, some of you, for some of you, it's time for you. But I'm talking about those of you just want to. Because we even have people in high school. They, I just can't wait till I just get grown. I just want to get out the house. I just want to get out that house. Listen to me. Don't, this is what you don't understand. And you need to understand. Whether you want to leave it now or whether you want to just leave that house, understand this. One day you're going to leave it anyway. <laughs> you're not going to stay there forever. So you don't have to rush it. You're going to, I, want, I can't wait to get out of house. You're going to go. You're not going to live with them forever. Know that. They don't even want you there forever. While you're talking about all of that, 
You want to leave it. You need to know. Leaving your parents' house, you're just going to leave it unprepared. Why? Because I didn't value the place of preparation. I want to get out. Hmm. And we thought the key to us getting somewhere was getting out of that house. And all it did was cause us to fall behind. Why? Because we left the place without getting the preparation. That's why you're behind. That's why you are where you are now. That's why your life is where it is now. Those that did that. See, most of you, you have a... See, this, this is what happens. When you go off to college, when you come back, most of you have a vision of coming back and living in that house and in that room. Most of the thing that you have a vision of is living under that house with rules. You don't want to do it anymore. Like, oh, shoot. I mean, your, your parents will tell you, listen, when you graduate college, I'm going to buy you a car. Just graduate college and I'll buy you a car. Let me tell you, you are so focused on not wanting to get back in that house with those rules because you know they have rules. You're so, you'll be like, you'll forego the car. And say, you know what, I, I don't need a car. If you would just help me with a deposit on an apartment and, and, and help me with first month rent, I'm good. The silliest thing you should ever ask for. Crazy and foolish. Because guess what? After those 30 days, <laughs> and it comes time to pay rent the next month, you will find out, oh my God. What have I done? See, you, you get all tickled. They'll say, and see, if you're a smart parent, don't be saying, no, I'm going to get you a car. Say, okay, that's good. Because, hey, that, hey, that'll save you a bunch of money. Okay, I, that, no problem. How much is deposit? I'm going to help you out. How much is first month rent? No, you know what? Don't pay half. I'm going to pay the whole one. Because next month they're going to be broke. So you'll be like, no, go ahead. <laughs> and let them pack up that little stuff they have to take with them. Because I'll guarantee you it's a little stuff. Let me show you how you know you're unprepared. If you move in an apartment and you have to sleep on a mattress, you're unprepared. If you lose, move in, a, in, a, in an apartment and you don't have no furniture, you're unprepared. You're unprepared? You're unprepared. I don't care. Well, I'm going to buy something when I get my first check. And you're going to be broke. You are unprepared. Now, how would you ever think you prepared for marriage <laughs> when you're unprepared for that little thing? But that's because you wouldn't stay and you didn't appreciate the place of preparation. You wouldn't stay there and let them prepare you. No, because I'm smarter than you. Dummy should have been carved on your forehead and should still be sitting there now. Because that's stupid to do. I believe I was once that stupid. It's just stupid. All you want to do, and most of the time people just want to get, get out for, for the wrong, unless you're mature enough. You know, you know, you, 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 some of you just want to get out because you think that you can just have sex in the apartment. Okay. You that get old too because really the next month is coming. 
moving their own place. I'm telling you after those 30 days. And when you have to write a rent check. Then you realize I am unprepared for the next move of God. <laughs> Why? Because I, ooh, I'm going to have to say, can y'all spot me? See, y'all have to spot somebody that's unprepared. If you're married now, and they got to spot you at the hotel, you're unprepared. <laughs> if you're married now, but because and let me tell you, and it all stems back to the fact that you did not love and appreciate the place. You have no respect for the place that you should have stayed and been prepared. If you have to go grocery shopping at your parents' house, you're unprepared. What you got in here? If you go in their pantry, your tail is unprepared. And I guarantee you, most people that do that are people that left their place of preparation too early and wouldn't listen. Enjoy the place of preparation. Because whether or not you like it, you're going to leave one day anyway. It's just a matter of time. You're going to leave. Stop trying to leave early. See, I like... like, uh, uh, Deacon Burst was telling me that his oldest daughter, she, she done got her master's and everything, and she's ready to move on. Well, see, now, now it's time now. But she stayed in there through her undergrad work. She stayed with her parents. Through her graduate work. She, now she said, I've lived with y'all long enough. It's time for me to get. That's somebody prepared. But a fool? <laughs> you know what a fool say? I ain't going to even say that. But, but you're just foolish. If you're prepared, you uh, let me tell you, <laughs> you can't live uh, from check to check, you're unprepared. Enjoy your place of preparation. Don't be so anxious to get into an apartment. Listen. You're going to leave. There's no need to rush. Don't be anxious about getting out from the place of preparation. It's not going to be a... I'm telling you, that place of preparation is not going to be available to you anyway. Just wait. They'll throw your tail out. You ain't got to try to want to get out there and say, it's time to go. And what most most grown-ups, and I tell you this... Most grown-ups can tell you this, and I'm going to tell you this. It's a much better place in preparation than execution. A much better place in preparation than execution. In other words, let me put it in layman's turn. It's, mother, it's a much better place with my parents paying the bills than me paying them. <laughs> See, it's in that place of preparation that you can develop a plan. See, when you're in your parents' house, you develop a plan to go to school. You develop a plan to go get your master's. You develop a, Why? Because I was in my parents' house. I was in a place of preparation. But once you got your own house, you struggled to develop a plan. You, and this is the, what you struggled to develop after you got your own place. You struggled in developing a plan on how to be a man or how to be a woman. You struggled with it. And still struggling with it. 
See, it's like coming to church. As long as you come to church, it's easy to develop a plan for your life because you're getting instructions about it. It's easy when you consistently come to church. But when you think you don't need it, and I'm going to keep missing church, and I don't have to go, and you know, all those things, everything becomes difficult to develop a plan for your life. Why? Because you're out of the place of preparation. And this is what happens. Now life is difficult. And listen, the place of preparation is where the unseen work can be done in your life. It's a place of preparation where you can get things ready for your life. It's only in the place of preparation you can do that. You can get things ready for your assignment. It is in the place where you can develop what you need to develop in your life. That's going to be found in the place of preparation. Don't disdain that place of preparation. Don't disdain the spot that God has given you. Don't disdain the assignment that God has given you at this time. It is a necessary place for you. It's a necessary place for you. And while you're in a place of preparation, listen, develop a plan for what's coming next. Because there's always a coming next. Always. Let's read verse 1 again. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua... The son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, listen, Moses was a servant of the Lord. And Joshua was a servant of Moses. Get that. Moses was a servant of God. But Joshua was a servant of Moses. Let me tell you why most people struggle. Men and women. Why they struggle. Because we're too anxious to be a Moses and you've never been a Joshua. See, you want to just come in. You just want to be Moses. Don't want to be a Joshua. Everybody wants to be a servant of the Lord, but nobody wants to serve a man. <laughs> but this just doesn't happen. This doesn't just happen with pastors. This happens to congregants too. And we get out of the place of preparation. But Moses was a servant of God and Joshua was the servant of Moses. But Joshua used that time in service to Moses to prepare himself because eventually he knew he was going to become a servant of God. But right now I'm a servant of Moses. That's what, that was his assignment. The place of preparation, write it down, letter A, is a place of submission. It is a place where you have to be submitted to authority. And authority will not always say what you want. They're never going to say what you want them to say. Do what you want them to do. Or tell you what you want to hear. But you have to learn how to submit. That's the thing. Learn how to submit. It's a place of submission to authority. Why is the place of preparation a place of submission? Because it's when you are submitted, you learn how to develop a plan. Because you learn how to develop a plan from someone who's already executing a plan. 
See, when you're submitting to authority, you will learn how to develop a plan because you submitted to someone already executing a plan. See, Joshua learned how to develop a plan because he spent time, spent the greater part of his life submitted to the man who was already executing the plan. That's how he was able to. He stayed submitted. So since he had sat and watched the man of God lead the people, he knew how to develop a plan to lead the people because he watched Moses. And oftentimes we don't want to stay submitted. You know, it's an interesting thing. When, listen, it's a very interesting thing. When you leave your parents' house, one of the things you learn is this. It's not as easy to have as house, a house as you think it is. It's not as easy. It looks like it is. It, it's not easy. When you leave your parents' house, it's not as easy as you think to have an apartment. To have a house. It's not easy to become a bill payer. It's not easy to be a person that now got to go to work, got to go to work every day. It's not easy for the person who now I'm owning something or I'm buying something or I've acquired some things. Now I have to maintain some things. See, it's not as easy. Listen, know this. Being a grown-up is a difficult job. See, it's, it's always. My, my granddaughter tickled me, you know, because she looked at it. I can't wait to be a teenager. I said, girl, listen, listen, listen to me. See, you're already getting way ahead. I can't wait. I said, get out of here looking at me, put on makeup, because now you're talking crazy. Now, I can't wait to be a teenager. I can't wait. See, we, we want to we move. We want to go. We want to be grown. But it's not as easy as you think. Because in our heads we think being grown means I can do what I want. Most of you that are grown now found out that's not so true. It looks easy in your parents' house. <laughs> that's why in when times of troubles, where do you want to run back to? Their house. Anytime there's trouble, they're going to run back to mom and dad's house. I don't care how old they are. They go, what? Why? Because it's easy at their house. Why? Because sufficiency is at their house. Let's go over there. We know they got something to eat. Let's go over there. Listen. See, it's sufficiency in their house that you still haven't gotten yours. So you don't have that sufficiency. See, it's not as easy as it looks. It looks like, oh, they, the lights are always on. They always have food. I go by there, they in the bed with warm socks on. It look all comfortable. That just looks easy. Until you go try to do it. You be like, no, your crusty feet up there, you don't even know where a sock is because you can't even buy any. And you're like, I just got to stand up here with these rusty feet, this mattress is hard, and we ain't got nothing in the box but half an orange juice. And two eggs left. But over to my parents' house, sufficiency. It's all because when you were in the time of preparation, you didn't know what it took to 
to clean the house. You didn't know what it took to, to keep the lights on. See, y'all, you know you just enjoyed the lights. You didn't know what it took to cook a meal every day. See, you can only do fast food so long. Because it's going to eat up the rent check. The place of preparation, preparation letter B is a place of service. Listen, wives that have daughters, you only have a window of time with your daughters. Men that have sons, you only have a window of time. And then they become young adults and live their own lives. And I really want to say this to the men. Men, while your sons are in your house, they should serve you. Did you hear me? While your sons are in your house, they should serve you. When I say that, I mean when your wife drives up and she's got groceries in the car and she comes in and says, I got groceries in the car, you need to tell your son, son, go get the groceries out of the car for your mother. When your, daughter, when your, when your wife, you know, says she needs something done, tell your son, Go do what your mother needs. And when your wife say, well, yeah, but I asked you to do it, say, yeah, and I told him to. Why? Because I'm preparing him that he's going to one day have a wife. He's one day going to have a home. He said, especially for me. And he's like, see, oh, I see it. everybody's nice and kind. You go, but can you do, you can't, you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you, I, I know we all like to say, oh, yeah, you're going to be just like your father, everything like that. I'll I, I tell you now, my sons, they look alike like they did, and they got some mannerism like them. But let me tell you, they got a long way to be like their dad. A long way to be like their dad. They got work. But you ought to be preparing your son to be a good father, a good mother, I mean a good father, a good husband. That whenever they, he do get a wife, that he'll know how to treat her. Because why? I'm teaching him how to treat his mother because he watched me. See, if you've done it all these years, now they're old enough to do it. Then now you need to teach them to watch what you used to do. Now they serve you and they do it. Setting them up for their wives. Tell them to do it. Say, you go do that for your mother. Because remember, when they were little, you couldn't tell them that. You had to do everything for your wife. But now that they can, tell them to do it. Go do that for your mother. Finally, even if she asks you, and you know mothers be telling me, why are you telling him to do it? I ask you. Because I'm doing something with my son. Stay in your lane. Just stay in your lane. I'm doing something for my son. But I don't think that he can carry that. You don't know what he can carry. Because, see, you're still thinking of him as a baby. I'm preparing him for something. And let that, let, let your wife be the first woman in his life. And you know how, and he saw how you treated his mother. He's going to treat his mother's wife. He'll treat his wife right. That's what you do. Their sons need to understand one day they're going to be a husband. They're going to be a father. They're going to have a household. Amen? And you don't want them to be shocked with the responsibility 
A boy needs to man, uh, need to know what a man does. And I'm not talking about just fixing on stuff. How to treat a woman. What a husband does. Are you with me? Now let them, let, let them practice. Let them practice on your wife. <laughs> practice on your wife. And again, then when he get his, his wife's gonna be alright. Again, he's gonna treat her just like, just like he treated his mother. That's why men, you should never let no woman talk down about your mother to you. Or say anything out of the order to your, to your mother? Mm-mm. Or about your mother? Mm-mm. That's called a weak mind. Nope, you stay in your lane. But you learn through service. You learn through work. You learn how to develop a plan by executing another man's plan. Joshua led the people into battle with the Malachites. Listen, he led the people into battle while Moses stood on the hill and watched what he was doing. Moses and Aaron sat on the hill. Aaron was right there with Moses to look over. And they watched while, while Joshua was down there battling with the Malachites and whooping up on them and doing all that. Because why? He was executing the pan. It was Joshua, listen, who helped Moses usher the people into worship. And it taught Joshua something. When it, you know, when it taught him for when he had to lead the people. He was learning the whole time. It was Joshua who he trusted to go in to spy the land. Moses didn't go, listen. And he, and Joshua came back with a good report. But listen, Moses didn't go out and spy out the land. He sent Joshua. Moses went and he spied out Egypt. Joshua went and spied out the promised land. It was Joshua who had to handle the adversity of the people rebelling against Moses. Time after time. Go, you know what? Go and read all of chapter 2. A lot of you all laugh when Sister John say, you know what, uh, Pastor, and y'all laugh when Sister John say different things about if people, you know, do different things to a pastor. Or even when I found the pastor, Sister Jones would always say, I marked them. I marked them. You'll find out that scriptural right here. You're going to find out that it's scriptural right here. Joshua had to deal with people that rebelled against Moses. And he told them what to do for those that rebelled against Moses. See, we laugh and we act like, oh, she's being a little too hard on this, that, and the other. But I'm telling you, read it. You'll see it. Joshua dealt with the people when they came against from Moses from time after time after time. It was Joshua in a position of servitude that he learned how to be strong and of good courage. Even when they threatened to stone him for being the servant of Moses, he learned to be strong. He learned those things Through servitude. It wasn't just something that happened. Through servitude. If we're going to be prepared for the next move of God, you're not going to be prepared waiting around for someone to call you into service. Serve. You need to serve. If you minister, minister. 
Do what you know. Stop waiting around. Time is going to start working against you. It's going to start working against you. Listen, the place of preparation, letter C, it is a place of growth. You know, you grow in a place of preparation. Listen, those of you that are listening in the premarital class, listen, you, let me, let me, let me give you something. You can't get ready for marriage married. Too late. You cannot get ready for marriage married. You got to get ready for married, marriage unmarried. Did you hear me? You have to get ready for marriage unmarried. You cannot get ready for marriage married. You know, I'm going to share something with you that most people won't share with you and won't tell you. But let me tell you this so you can stop saying it. It is very hard to grow once you get married. Now, I didn't say it was impossible. I said it's very hard to grow once you get married. It is even hard to become a better Christian as a married person. I know we think, oh, and now we married, we're going to get on one call, we're going to grow. I know. But it's hard to be married. Listen, it's hard to be a better Christian as a married person. Everybody thinks that because they're excited about marriage. At the beginning, they'll, oh yeah, well, we got married, we're going to continue to grow together. It is hard to grow married. <laughs> why? Because you married right now, and that's why it's hard to grow, because marriage is a full-time job. Forty plus overtime. That's why it's hard to grow once you get married. Now, you start throwing babies and children in the mix. Oh, God. By that time, listen, by the time you fed, wiped, diked, clothed, argued, argued, bedded down, and have done everything that you were supposed to do, Ain't no time for devotion. Your tail's trying to get in the bed. And I'm not talking about you going in the bed to go to sleep. That sex thing that you thought was hot, it ain't even hot no more. You just want to get some sleep because you wore off from bedding and wiping and diaping and running. And, see, it's hard. Now, I mean, let me tell you, before children, oh, you had notes down, you know, subtitle, uh, A, B, in, in every scripture. Now you go and look at people's notes that have children. They got the title and the end. You don't see no scriptures. They act like they really into it. They're not. They're in their head, in the sanctuary thinking, Oh God, I got to go home and watch. Oh God, oh they peed in the bed. I got to change all that. I, I got to get, get, get them. You go get them. You go. See, you're there. So how do you think you're going to go? You ain't trying to look at no scriptures. You ain't trying. You, I wish you would tell me let's have a Bible study tired as I am. See, it's hard to grow once you get married. Throw children in the mix, almost impossible. Too busy. Especially if you're married unprepared, you're not disciplined enough. Some people that are disciplined can do it, but you're not. Oh, I gotta go to work tomorrow. I'm getting in that bed now. 
I'm getting that bed. Listen, don't let them fool you with all them little cute, lovely, little sweet things. They are cute, lovely, sweet, but let me tell you, <laughs> the cuteness well. They going to tear your tail up. And you're going to be dizzy talking about, I'm growing. No, you're not. It's too hard. And you're not disciplined enough. But God is trying to get you ready. God is trying to get you ready. Ain't no devotion. Again, you go into bed just to sleep. You go to church, you ain't doing nothing there because then I got to stop in children's church and if they call me out and, uh, and then, uh, you take the children, I'm staying home, I got to get some rest. See, it's nothing, ain't nothing growing. Oh, that little thing you come and play in front of people like, oh, we really spiritual, we really got, no, uh-uh, it don't work that way. It doesn't work that way with unprepared people. Know that. Listen, a married per- person, they are almost blessed if they can just even get down one note on Sunday. Because it's stuff all the time. Ask the people that have children. Ask them, let me see your notes. They'll be like, you see their notes, they were just doodling. They weren't even taking notes. The heads is just full of everything. They act like, yeah, I got mine. You have to grow in the place of preparation. It is a place of spiritual growth. It is a place of growth of wisdom and understanding. It's also a place, listen, where you can grow in credibility. Place of preparation is where you can grow in credibility. Because you can't do anything for God if you're not creditable. Now go to Deuteronomy chapter 34, a few pages over. Chapter 34. Listen. In 34, beginning at verse 5, it says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a, in the valley of the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eyes was not dim, and his natural force, uh, uh, nor his natural force abated. Listen, that means he didn't have no memory loss. He could see good. He didn't have to have on no glasses. All his natural, nothing abated him. He was in the will of God. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses was ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Wonder where he got that from. For Moses had laid his hands on him. Hmm. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded, uh, commanded Moses. Listen. Why did they listen to him for 40 years? He was in preparation. That's why they listened to him. In other words, the place of preparation, because you are submitted and you are a servant and you've grown, it gives you credibility. That's why people respect all of the ministers and the deacons in our church, because they've shown credibility to execute the instructions of God. They, that's why people respect, they respect when they get up and teach. They respect everything about them. Why? Because they have credibility. 
See, there are different people. They, you know, they want to see different things. They want to see different things happen in the ministry. But guess what? But you leave the ministry. Oh, when is this going to happen? But see, you leave the ministry. But you want to see this and that happen. Well, I don't, you know, I don't even like the way the ushers do it. Well, I'm not coming back. Or I don't like what she said or he said. I'm not coming back. You know what? If you don't like the way the ushers, you know what? If you would have stayed, you might would have been the head over the ushers. You might have been the ministry head. But you left the place of preparation. You might have found out that you're called to be a minister. But you left the place of preparation. We have to value, number three, the time of preparation. The time of preparation. I'm out of time, but we're going to finish this. The time of preparation. You know, God gives us time to develop a plan. And that time is not forever. We have to value the time that God has given us. We have to value the time. Letter A, to understand what was. You have to value the time so you can understand what was. Now, we talked about what was and what is and what is to come in other teachings. But you've got to value and understand what was. This is essential. Oftentimes, we struggle to put together a plan because we don't know what was. Understand that. We have to take some time to understand some history. See, we don't want to do that. One of my first messages to my son as, as I began to appoint him as pastor one day is this. And I'll tell all you ministers as well. Don't change anything until you understand what was. Don't just go in and change something until you understand what was. No matter how you see something being done, you don't know why it's being done if you have, don't understand what was. So you can't change it. You can't change it. Because you have to first understand what was. Because when you change it, you don't have the under, and you don't understand the history of it. You might make a mistake and you might kill something that's good in the church. Because I didn't understand, I just thought I'd go in and change it just to do something new. When I change something, it's because I understand the plan and I know the history. But for you to just come up and say, let's do it, that's why a lot of times people say, well, we do this or that, and I listen to the advice and say, but it's not according to plan. And I'm not going to do it if it's not according to plan. And if you don't understand what was, don't go in and change nothing. Don't try to bypass me and go and ask my children or go and ask one of the ministers. And, uh, because it's still not going to get done because they can't change it. Do you know the history of it? Many of you haven't even taken out the time to understand how you were raised. You just say what you're not going to do. I ain't going to do what my parents did. They used to spank when I was growing up. I'm not going to spank my children. Why? Do you know the history behind it? I'm, just, I, no, I'm not going to do that. I, uh-uh. I'm changing things. I don't understand why they do it. I don't, see, there it is. I don't understand why they did it. See, you don't understand the history of it. I'm just not going to. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm raising mine different. I'm not spanking mine. I know my mama did that, but I'm not going to do that to my children. 
And that's because you didn't take time to learn history of what was. And you're changing some things. There are some things your parents did. Listen, my parents were too strict on me. I'm not going to do that. I was homeschooled. I'm not going to homeschool my children. Why? Why? Why are you not? There are some success that you have and that have come to you in your life simply because of things that they've done and you don't even know the history of it. And they ain't even looking for it. You don't even know the history of the family and why they do what they do. See, you don't even know just that. And now you want to not do for others or to your, for your children because you just think, no, I'm just not going to do it that way. But you don't understand anything. You don't understand anything about history. Well, my parents raised us to say, you know, our parents raised us to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, uncle this and uncle that. But I, my children ain't going to have to do that. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with calling by the name. But did you ever, you know, you know why you, you say that? You're not gonna, your children don't have to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and all those things. Because you're ignorant of history. You're just ignorant of history. If you don't understand why they did it, why are you changing it? Because you don't even understand why. He's just not going to do it. I remember you always did that to me. I'm not doing I don't do that. Why? Why? Why are you changing? Well, it's a new day and it's a new time. It is. You don't know if it's a new day or a new time because you've never, sold his, you've never studied history of the old times. So how do you know it's a new day and a new time? You don't even know that. See, all that just sounds good. Make you feel good. Who told you time has changed so that you don't have to do that anymore? Have you asked why? Why is it okay for a child now to call a grown-up by his first name? And if you did it, you got smacked. See, have you ever asked the question? Have you ever wondered? What was the lesson? I'm trying to help you from all that foolish thinking. Because it's foolish. Oftentimes we just don't understand. You have to sit in the place of preparation... A long time to understand why and how things were the way they were or are the way they are. You have to learn it. Not just have your, well, this is my, well, I know you did it that way, but this is what I'm thinking. You just stop waiting a bit and then you got a thought that's going to change the whole history of the family. You have to value the time. And understand letter B, what is. And it takes time to understand what is. And I can recall many times in my life where I didn't understand what I was looking at. It takes time to understand what is. It takes time to understand what our strengths are. It takes time to understand your weaknesses. It takes time to understand problems. What's the current condition? And that's the time that I've been taking, even during this pandemic and this time, is understanding about our ministry, what the different things, where our weaknesses, our strengths, and our problems, and our current condition, and all of those different things. All those things we need to understand in our ministry. What are our strengths? 
What are our weaknesses? Because you have them. And now I want you to understand that you have them in your family as well. But you're blessed now to be in a time of preparation where you can sit and study. See, Joshua understood Moses. See, he understood Moses sent 12. 10 came back with the evil report. Joshua took the next 40 years and prepared for two that he sent over to ensure that they would come back with the right words. Moses sent 12. Joshua sent two. Read it. We didn't go. You got to go back and read it. Read the whole chapter. He used all that time to get two ready. And I believe Joshua took those two men long before they went. Let me tell you, long before they went over the final time, when they went over to Spot Lane, he took them to the edge, I believe this. And this is just my imagination. I believe before he sent them over to spy out the land, and you go and you read about him and how they joined up and they got with Rahab and those things. But I believe Joshua took them to right where Moses was standing and had them look out and see. And there's the place. And this is what you go do. And this is what you say. And this is what you need to, to find out. And this is what you need to, and told them what, and this is what I want you to come back and, and tell me what's going on. He only had two. This is what I need you to present. Why? Because Joshua learned some things in that process. Too many of you don't take the time to understand what is. It's really happen- What's really happening in your family? Have you ever really looked and spent time to understand it? You have to do that. Then we have to value the time to understand, let us see, what is to come. What is to come. You see, something is coming. And it takes time to understand what's coming. You have to take time to be able to foresee what would happen if you don't accomplish the will of God. Listen and have a vision to accomplish the will of God. See, you need to foresee what will happen if I don't accomplish the will of God. You know, more times, this is the sad thing. Most of the time, we're busy living, too busy living to understand what was and what is and what is to come. We have no, we don't even have a clue. And not even thinking about it. We're so busy just trying to live. Now, even though I didn't know the exact day that the transitioning of our founding pastor was, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Hmm. Listen, my husband is a man that I loved more than anyone on this earth. Listen to me. But I'll never build a shrine to him. But I'll never let his memory die. Never. Listen. And I need to say this. Don't you dare confuse the fact 
because you see me standing here with how I feel. Don't confuse it. See, some of you get too lax and you think you know what's going to... Never get that confused. Did you hear me? Those are two different things all together. But at this point, when I'm up ministering, I'm up teaching, my feelings are irrelevant. How I feel is irrelevant. Now, there are moments in my life where they are relevant, and at those moments, I make it very relevant. But at this time, my feelings are irrelevant. But don't you ever get them confused. Oh, she's standing up there. She got it going on. She's got. Don't confuse it. Just right now, it's irrelevant. Please don't confuse it. Because somehow you think I'm not hurting. But I'm always hurting. But when it's irrelevant, it's irrelevant. Why? Because I'm on assignment. It's impossible for me not to hurt. And I want you to know one thing. It's impossible for you to hurt more than me. (laughs) You just can't. About Pastor Hill's transition. You just can't. I don't care how much you loved him. Now you can be more emotional than me. And that's okay. You're entitled to that. It's okay, but you can't be hurt more than me. You can't. Don't confuse my standing here with what I'm feeling or what's going on on the inside. Those are two different things. Always two different things. So don't get it twisted and don't, you know, well, you know, it just seems like she bought, you don't, you don't know. You can't be married to someone 40 years. Have two children with him and spend most of all of your young life all the way into our 60s together. And not feel nothing. But this one thing I do know. Forrest P. Hill Jr. is gone. Now I have to arise. Get up. And take the people into the land that God has promised us. And that he has promised our founding pastor. I'm meat for it. I'm meat for it. Why? Because the church didn't end. Because the life ended. The focus cannot end. And the ministry didn't end. But please, don't confuse the two. Ever. And don't confuse the, the fact that, Mo, that Joshua said, in three days we're going over. Don't confuse that with how he felt about Moses. He was on assignment. When you're on assignment, you got to move. Get up and move. Two different things. 
Listen. I'm up here hurting. And every time I get up here, I hurt. But it's irrelevant. It's word. The assignment is bigger than even our founding pastor. Ever since September 1st, every time I get up here, I'm hurting on the inside. But you get up. I have assignment from God. And I've prepared myself. I've prepared myself. Listen, you have to learn that nothing, nothing can stop what God has called you to do. Nothing. You can't let anything stop what God has called you to do. You cannot. You have to say, nope, I can't. I can't do it. I can't let anything I don't care what it is. I can't let it stop what God has called me to do. God has called you to do it. He'll give you the grace. But you have to be able to stand. Every time I get up here, God gives me grace. Church, in a place of preparation, you have to learn to use this time. And listen to me. This is, this, this is the part that I, I hate to say, but I, God told me to say it. Now, my husband have passed and gone on. But some of you, some of your husbands and fathers and mothers will pass. This year, next year, or whatever. But they will. Some even this year. You better get yourself together and get yourself right. Stop leaning on somebody. Stop leaning on somebody who's not the everlasting arm. You better lean on him that the everlasting arm. And establish your own relationship with Jesus Christ so that you can move forward in the day of your life. Because you know what? It's coming. A parent, sister, a brother, a child, prepare yourself. You know what this is called? It's called life. This is what happens. And guess what? Life hurts. It hurts. But guess what? God is still God. He does not change. And he still has a responsibility. to. God said, it does not change. You hold on to my truth in my relationship with you. Because at the end of the day, no matter what comes your way, you got to do what he's called us to do. Are you following me? You have to do what he's called us to do. One of the things that strengthens me, listen to me. Now this is what really strengthens me. And don't, and don't, 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 don't get my, my, my tearing up because actually my tearing up is really for you. Because grace has me. But listen to me. One of the things that strengthens me 
in this whole transition is that I have no regrets. I have no regrets. You know why? I was a good minister and I was a good wife. No regrets. Listen to me. Fix any issues you have with anybody. It makes them leaving so much easier. Did you hear me? It makes it so much easier. Fix it. No matter what it is, just fix it. It's fixable. I have not one regret. I was a good wife to my husband, and I was a good minister in his congregation. Go with me to Joshua 4. And we're going to close with this. Joshua chapter 4. Are you being blessed? I am. Because God is good. I must value the last one. The preparation of people. We must value the preparation of people. Listen, no plan, not one plan can ever be executed without people. You have to prepare yourself so that you can prepare others. Joshua prepared the people to execute the plan. Joshua couldn't say in three days we're going over unless he had some people prepared. Now watch this in chapter 4. Now they've gone over in the promised land. Chapter 4, are you there? Verse 1. And it came to pass when, they all, when all the people were clean, were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto, unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the, where the priests feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve, then Joshua called the twelve whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. Listen, now again, it's estimated that the people that he led out was over a million people. So Joshua, in that 40-year period, had gone through, listen, he had gone already gone through those million of people and had identified one man of every tribe who he could trust. Did you hear me? Because it said, now we all know that the 12, there's 12 tribes, of, uh, the, the whole 12 tribes of Judah, we all know that, that it's 12. He had went in those 40 years and picked out one man from over a million people. You can't do that unless you had a plan. He couldn't do that in three days. Go and look out among a million people and find 12 men he trusted. You better go back and read all of this. He trusted them. So when God spoke to him to gather out the stones, Joshua was not, let me tell you, he was not hunting between the million people trying to find someone. No, go back and read it. He went and got the men that he previously prepared to do the assignment of God. 
so that they could represent God in the place that they dwelled, in a place that they were being prepared. Letter A of this, you have to value those that were forsaken. See, the 12 men that Joshua had got in Numbers chapter 14, I want you to put that down and go back and read it. The Bible says that the parents treated them as prey. Their parents left them disdain. Their parents caused them to not have the promise. The parents' carcasses fell in the wilderness. See, all these are ones that died out. They left them there. They said they were prey. Their parents left them at a di- in a disadvantaged state. But Joshua saw the forsaken as the chosen. Joshua saw the forsaken as the chosen. I love that. Listen, if you're going to be prepared for the next move of God, you've got to learn to place value in the forsaken. Who are the fakers? Those that have, we have said are pray for the devil. Those that we said that, you know, not going to make it. They're not going to ever come to God. They're not going to ever come to Christ. They're never going to go in. Those who have been mistreated. Those who have been, you, you know, you left short. Or you've abandoned. I like to say it this way. Let the axe fall at the root of the tree. Those that you, listen, you, you, you know, those that you did not raise. Hmm. Those that you did not teach. Those that you are now complaining about. We have to find the value in them. Then let it be, we have to find the value in those who are unprepared. Church, we are busy looking for the ready. And we need to look for the unready. God is making us ready so we can look for the unready. We have to find those who don't think that they have a gift. Don't believe that they have talent. Don't think that they have the ability. And we have to value them and prepare them and ready them for the next move of God. See, we have what we have. We have to use what we have. That's why the next gen, they use what they have. We have to use what we have. Not only do we have to value the forsaken and the unprepared, but let us see, we have to value another generation. We think too highly of our own generation and not highly enough on the next generation. We have to value those who are coming behind us. They have to, they have a share. They have a part to do. They are brilliant. They can help, God said. They can help. They can be faithful. We're teaching them to be faithful. They're dedicated to the things of God. That's why it's so important, parents, that your children see you faithful. They're going to follow your example. You don't go to church, they won't go to church. You don't love the Lord, they don't love the Lord. You talk about the pastor, they're going to talk about it. You don't trust the pastor, they won't trust the pastor. That's why some of the generation right now are in trouble because when you were in all your bondage, you talked foolishness to your children and now you've lost them. You want for them. You want them to be where they need to be. You are, And you can't grab them. Guess what? Time is against you now. When it was for you, you were acting a fool. It was all about you. Did you hear me? 
these people desire to work for God. They have purpose. We have to stop thinking that our generation is the greatest. Listen, every generation have greatness down on the inside. Every one of them. Listen, God didn't start making people uh, uh, making uh, people great at the age of 40 and 50 and 60. And we wasn't that hot to begin with. We grew in grace and in the knowledge of God. We grew in that. So why not give another person who has been forsaken, who has been sitting around unprepared and hurting an opportunity to grow in grace? We got it. We can, we can have someone else grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. God requires that of us. We can do that. We have to, see, we have to value the place. We have to value the time. We have to value the people. And we have to find the time of preparation. We gotta find the time and we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. Church, our time is to be prepared. It's our time. God is telling us, now is your time. Arise. I want you to go back and I want you to read all the, the first three or four chapters of Joshua and you'll see everything that's being taught here. You can see it all played out. I'm telling you, all the way down to marking them. Joshua, I was reading that and last night I was just rejoicing. I said, you, you know what, God? You're... He handled everybody that came against Moses. See, he wasn't just sitting around waiting for his turn. He, was, he wasn't, he was handling it. And all that did was God began, when it was his time, God said, be strong. And I got all your, all your help is here. You've been preparing them for 40 years. They're ready. And you go and you see all the victory Joshua had by being a people that are prepared. Be prepared, people. Get yourself in a position to be prepared. You can be prepared. You can be prepared. But it's a choice. God is calling us for this time. This is a perfect time for us to understand and for us to know, God, I must be prepared. I have to be used by you. I will not take no for the answer, whatever. If I have to just drag on the floor behind you, God, I'm going to stay with you until you use me. That's how hungry God wants you to be. He don't want you thirsty for those other things that you're thirsty for. I get thirsty for the things of God. Those things are going to lead you into uh, uh, just a, a messed up life. Not that you can't fix it. And I want you to say, just like everything that we talk about, there's always an answer. There's all, all of this is for preparation. I know some of the things you didn't like to hear, you didn't want to hear. It cringes you to hear. But don't look at the package, just listen to God. He's trying to speak to you. You think it's only you. It's not about just you. There's other people that are listening, that are getting it, while you're offended. Let the offense go and learn. I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to teach you how to get up because something is coming and it will keep you down if you don't get up and encourage yourself in the Lord. I'm encouraged today. 
I'm encouraged. Why? Because God is good. God is faithful. God is a delivering God and a restorer. He's a redeemer. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's a redeemer. He's there. He's never going to leave you. He's right there. You have to want to be redeemed. Then you can surely sing the song, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. Because I understand that my redemption is all built into preparation. That God, because of your redemption, I can prepare myself to be used by you in whatever way you choose fit. And then we have to also look that after all of this, when Jesus returns and set up his kingdom and, 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 and we rule and reign with him, there's going to come a time where are you going to be positioned in that order? See, we think everything is so far off. It's always been said. If you don't understand the signs of the time, and most prepared people don't, they're just living from day to day, and just, just I just can't wait to everything get back to normal. What if it never gets back to normal? You're going to stay like you are until you waiting for something. What if it never gets back to normal? You still got to serve God. You still got to be right with God. You still got to make the right decision. You still got, you still, whether things get back to normal or not, you still got to get out of debt and save some money. You, you don't have to wait on that. It's time for that. And those of you that are in a place of preparation, let me tell you, it's okay. Bow to every instruction in that place of preparation. Because guess what? It's coming a time you're going to have to leave. Don't try to leave before time. Wait, because you're going to have to, you're going to leave it anyway. It's okay that they have rules. Hey, make a plan while you're there. Because for the most part, when you're living there, you don't have no bills. It's when you get out, it's harder to prepare. Make plans now. Don't go rushing to do that. Don't go rushing to be... Just think. Some of you, just think about it. Those of you that have moved out of your parents' house too early, think about how much money you could have saved. You would be banking right now. Because even whatever you gave them, it won't be more than you're paying now. I'm going to tell you that now. But just think about it. Oh, no, 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 no. They don't want you back now. You See, you, you, you got... It's just like having sex. See, you done got taste of it. Now you think, now you try to come back home and try to do what you want to in my house. That ain't going to work. But see, when you have the time of preparation, but those of you that have the time, don't rush to get out. Enjoy it. Enjoy the place of preparation. Listen to your parents, whether you like it or not, whether you think they understand it or not. Guess what? I know you can't see your parents as nothing but old, or you can't see them as nothing but where they are now. But guess what? They were your age one day. They know what you're thinking. They know. And let me tell you, when a when a man tell you uh, 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 about a woman, or a woman tell you about a man, let me tell you, they know. They know. And I know you thinking, how do they know? Because they've been your age. You haven't been there. They're, and when a man, when your father tells you how a man thinks, believe it. Everybody thinks theirs is different. Then it's not. Everything that's telling you that, that we're telling you on redemption, everything that we're telling you about premarital class and telling you, think on it. Don't just throw it away and do your own thing. Don't do it. You're going to regret it. Because remember, new don't last new long. You're just excited because it's new. Just wait on God. 
Let God grow you up. Grow in the time of preparation. Learn in the time of preparation wherever you are. Whether you're married or unmarried, grow in this time of preparation because this is, this is prep time. This is not execution time now. This is prep time. And God, is, and God is on our side. He's given us everything we need, every tool that we need. He's given us tools before, and now he's telling us, he's showing us how to put it in, how to take that screwdriver and screw it the right way, how to take the wrench and do it. He's given us all the different ones and showing us how to use it. And we shall be successful. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.